redeem mankind. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God who's fit, who's able, who creates, who sustains. And then it says that Jesus, the Son, is made the able Savior. Notice what he says. God saw fit to bring many sons of glory to salvation. He doesn't say it's a universal salvation for every human that's ever existed. But it is a salvation applied to his people. A redemption that's fitting, complete, and particular. And to God's glory, he takes sinners who have no relationship to God and he brings them into a relationship with God through this able Savior, Jesus. Now, the work of Jesus, his life, his active obedience, his passive obedience on the cross, his resurrection, Jesus being prophet, priest, and king completes redemption, a perfect atoning sacrifice, a propitiation for sin, and with the goal that he saves many. Now, the writer reminds us that Jesus is the captain of their salvation. Just as in Joshua, this
said, I find no fault. But I know the priests and leaders are envious. That's why they brought charges. But Pilate, being weak, crucified Jesus anyway. So we see, God provides a ready and fit Savior, the captain of salvation, the anchor of your soul. Brothers, sisters, don't look to anyone else for a sure foundation. Your faith is in this person of Jesus Christ. Prophet, priest, king, who obeyed his father, obeyed the law of God, and therefore is a hope to us. We'll talk about that more in a bit. Now, in verse 11, this fit captain, the writer says, he's not distant from his people. This person is fully man. The unblemished Lamb of God is united to his people. Again, Though he's the eternal son of God, the son given, the child born, but he's brethren, he's like us, he's man, he gets tired, he gets thirsty, he gets hungry. And so, the writer is reminding us, he had to be like us. He is like us. And he says, it's he who sanctifies those who need to be sanctified. So we find two key elements. Jesus, who sanctifies, gives us his record of righteousness, gives us his Holy Spirit, gives us the Word of God to sanctify us, make us a blemished child back to the Father. That's what we need. We weren't holy. We were steeped in sin. How can we see God? How can we stand before God if we're unclean? Full of sin. But Jesus, by his death, by his obedience, forgives our sin takes it away, 
as far from the east is from the west and declares us innocent and makes us holy positionally and in practice he gives us righteousness so you see Jesus does what's necessary for our great need of sin. He not only forgives, but he cleanses his people. So, in the day of judgment, Satan can accuse. And Jesus says, this is mine. I died for this man, this woman. They're clean. They're holy because of me. Can you say amen? That's good news. Jesus, the fit Savior. And we're unified by his salvation. God's choice, God's redemption to Christ. We're part of his kingdom. We're his subjects. Yes, bond slaves. But we're united to Jesus, to his crucifixion, his burial, his baptism. And his resurrection. Are you discouraged? Does Jesus seem far off? Where is he? Yes, he's in heaven. Seated at the right hand. But still.
friends, we cannot have redemption without the incarnation, without the virgin birth. Christ must become the son of David this way. The angel said to Mary, she has a question. How could this be? I'm a virgin. I'm not immoral. I'm not going to be immoral. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Therefore, this child will be called the Holy One of God, the Sanctifier. For those who need to be sanctified. So Christ becomes fully man. He identifies with you. What's your need? What's your weakness? What's your trouble? Jesus knows identifies and cares. Now, these verses unpack a great deal of truth. And he says that this Savior, this Christ, truly the Son of God and the Son of Man, what does he do? Because of his death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. You see, it's not just that Jesus forgives sin, gives us a new record, makes us alive, but he crushes the devil and the power of death that the devil has held since Adam fell. And back in Genesis 3, God told Adam and Eve the seed of the woman The line of Seth and Abraham will crush the seed of the devil. In the death of Christ, all the devil thought he won. The devil danced that day. But three days later, praise God, Christ could not be held in the grave. The power of death for all eternity is broken by Christ's work and resurrection. 
still face physical death. But the believer in Christ does not face spiritual death, destruction, and banishment into hell from God. Amen. Because Jesus had power over death and power over the devil. Satan kind of held the keys, but the keys are broken. My friends, be encouraged. The devil is a strong but fallen finite angel. Jesus is the infinite, eternal Son of God. And when we read Revelation 19 and 20, it's Jesus on the war horse with a sword in his mouth. That's the victor. And all of his enemies, the demons, the wicked man, the rulers, and the devil are destroyed, cast into the lake of fire. So Jesus is the conqueror, mighty, mighty Jesus, the power over death. This Satan has kept man as a slave in afraid of death. Don't we see this in the history of the human race all around the world? Very few people are stoic in death and say, I can face eternity. Most people not in Christ are terribly afraid because without Christ there's judgment and with Christ these people, Christ redeemed, are ushered into the presence of God. Look at the Hindus. Look at the Buddhists. Look at any religious system. Listen to the words of famous atheists. Many of them are terrified because they know they have disobeyed God. They have sinned. What next? The judgment of God. There was a famous American playwright. I forget his name back in like the 80s he died. He had cancer. 
And he said, all my life, I thought I was the exception. No death. The doctors say, I'm going to die soon. I'm afraid. What now? His dying statement was reported, I think, in Time Magazine. What now? What now? Satan deceives to say, you don't have to believe God. The Bible isn't true. God won't judge you. He's a God of love. He'll wink at your sin. He'll excuse your perversions. But the Bible says, be very clear. The immoral, the unrighteous, the liar, the coward, the homosexual, the effeminate, whatever, the thief, Paul, Peter, John, they are clear, will not enter the kingdom of God. Only those with the record of Christ who sanctifies enter the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of God. Again, brothers, sisters, Satan will accuse. He'll try to keep you in bondage. Make you feel guilty. But Jesus paid for your sin, all your sin, past, present, future, sins of omission, sins of commission, thought, word, and deed, and no matter the depths, Christ's redeeming work covers it all. It's not lost. A little of Jesus. And now I go to purgatory and do the rest. No, it's all of Christ. So be encouraged. His salvation is good and complete and full. He is able to save now. Again, in verse 16, the writer reminds us, look, my brothers, he's writing, remember, the Jewish Christians scattered in persecution to different parts of the Roman Empire, perhaps different parts of Israel, North Africa, Asia Minor, facing persecution, look to Jesus. 
This is what he's been saying in these chapters. Brothers, he doesn't come to help angels. He came to help people like you and me. Sinners in need of grace. In need of sanctification and forgiveness. Why does he say this? Because the elect angels who did not rebel against God do not need salvation. The non-elect rebellious angels go with the devil to judgment. There's no salvation for those spiritual beings. Salvation is for the human race. The flesh and blood Jesus had to be part of. And so, verse 16, he's not here to help angels. Don't think one day Jesus is asleep or on the throne and he's over there helping angels. No, he hears your prayers and he gives help to you, his people. He gives help physically, spiritually, emotionally to his sheep. He's a good shepherd. He's not a bad shepherd. He doesn't say, I know you're my sheep, but you're on your own. Find your own pastor. Defend yourself from the wolf. No. I'm the shepherd of your soul. I've got you. So again, look to Christ who gives help. Now, why is this possible? Verses 17 and 18 remind us that He was made like his brethren, his people, that he might be two things, a merciful and faithful high priest. There were high priests in Israel. Not all were compassionate. Not all were good and faithful to their duties. But this high priest is a merciful priest. A faithful priest. He did not say to God, the Father, you know, this is kind of hard. 
the suffering. No, he said, in the garden, not your will, but not my will, but your will. And perfection of suffering to the point of death. Faithful to his calling, to the plan, the purpose of God the Father. Faithful to what's needed for redemption and atonement. You know, in Mark 1, the leper comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, I know you can heal me. Jesus does the unthinkable. He touches this unclean leper with a terminal, disgusting disease and heals him. I'm willing. Brothers, sisters, Jesus is willing for you, for me. And he doesn't forget you. He's a good brother, a good savior, a good shepherd. Somebody commented that it was the compassion of God, of Christ, that Jesus had a hand in the first place to even lay on that leper. That's the compassion of God, the necessity of the incarnation of Christ to be fully man. Now, this high priest is faithful all things pertaining pertaining to God. What was the Father's will? Jesus obeyed it. I and the Father are one. Yes, Jesus, the Son, is submissive to the Father. But he's co-equal, eternal, the same essence. What does the Father want? What does the Father will? Jesus is faithful to do it. He's whatever is pertaining to the will of God. Why? So that he might make propitiation for the sins of his people. Now that's a 50 cent theological word. But it means to take away our sin, to carry it away, to cover it. So God the Father looks at you, trusting, united to this Jesus. And he says, I do not see your sin, your 
government record. It's been propitiated for. The only propitiating sacrifice is the death of the perfect son on the cross. A legal, penal substitution in our place for his people. Now, I believe here the writer is remembering Christ died for and propitiated his people, God's elect, and it's applied to God's elect, and Jesus never loses one of us. And what I mean is that God in Christ did not just make it possible. God saved people. He redeemed people. Those whom he chose, he called. He justified. He glorifies. Now, I know John says in 1 John 2, Christ's propitiation for the sins of the world. Take that to me. He came into this world. There is no other sacrifice given to this world and to the human race. But God chose a people and saves a people. Don't be discouraged today. God chose you. God saves you to the uttermost. For God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, that he might, whoever believes in him, might have eternal life and not perish. Now, the last verse, the writer reminds us, this Christ, this good, compassionate, faithful high priest, was tempted. How was he tempted? Just like you and me. Tempted to break all points of the law. Tempted to disobey his father and not love him with all his being. Not to love his neighbor. Read the Gospels. Don't you see how Jesus loved his father? He was not an idolater. How did he love his neighbor well? How did he heal people? Provide for people? To the 
of your salvation was also tempted. But we tend to say, but you don't understand. You don't know what it's like here in the 21st century. Jesus says, I know. I was there. I understand. Look to me. How tempted was I? I was tempted in the garden to turn my back on God the Father and go my own way. So look to Christ because he gives help to those being tempted. This promise, the last part of the verse, he gives aid to those who are tempted. Are you tempted? You will be. Today, tomorrow, who gives help? government, society, those may be tools God uses. Christ says, I'm your help. I'm your aid. Talk to me. I know. I care. I am able. We are united to Jesus. Did Jesus sin? No. Trust. Stay with. Remain with. Abide with your Savior. And who did he give to live in you? When I go away, I will give you a counselor, a comforter. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The power of the devil is crushed. The foot of Jesus has crushed the devil. He's just a writhing snake. In death throes. The power. Is in Christ. So. The fitting. Savior. He identifies. With us. We are. His brethren. Is there a word? Sister. Includes the, the ladies also. And. This is what was necessary to save his people. And this shepherd, this savior, helps us. Just a couple of action points. Read Hebrews, the next couple chapters. Three, four, five. For the next few weeks. And I just call you 
Christ, King Jesus, the faithful high priest. Don't look to the world. Don't look to your resources. Trust Christ. And isn't this good news? Tell the world, tell others, There's a Savior from sin. His name is Jesus. This is what he's done. People will say, No, I'm too big a sinner. No, I'm in bondage. No, I'm in the occult. No, Jesus breaks the power of sin and death and the devil. This is good news. Let's preach Christ to ourselves and to the world. Lynn, could you pray for us briefly? <laughs> 